You are listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, where it's all about responding with confidence to the legal, financial, and personal challenges created by disability, unexpected illness, or simply aging in general. Join us weekly as elder law attorneys Tim Takis, Barbara McGinnis, Chris Johnson, and other members of the Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law Team talk about the tools, techniques, strategies, and services that will make the elder care journey easier for everyone involved. Get ready, because aging starts now. Hi, welcome to Aging Starts Now. I'm Barbara McGinnis with Takis McGinnis Elder Care Law, and this is episode 61 of Aging Starts Now. Today, we're going to talk about what is a qualified income trust, otherwise known as a Miller Trust. And with me is one of our public benefit specialists, Joshua Bay. Morning, Josh. Good morning. So what is a QIT? So so a QIT in Medicaid language is a trust created specifically for the purpose of becoming eligible for 10-care long-term services and support. But what I explained to our clients is a QIT is just a bank account that you'll deposit money in on a monthly basis to pay to the facility. It's generally, it's easily, it's just a bank account. It's just a bank account that you actually need, though um, it's a trust document. It's a fairly simple, right, straightforward, straight out of the policy manual for 10 care trust document that says who's setting it up, who's it supposed to benefit, how can they use it. And so you do have to have that document to go to take to the bank to get it set up. And I'll just go ahead and clarify. A Miller Trust is, was sort of a, a common name that, I don't know, not as many people seem to be using now. But that related to the particular case um, that established the use of a qualified income trust. So Miller Trust refers to the case, QIT. It's the same thing. We're just talking about people have too much income because Tennessee is an income cap state. What's the income cap now? $2,382 gross. Explain to us the difference between gross income and net income. Sometimes that seems like it confuses people. It does. It does. So gross income, normally you don't see gross income. That's uh, your gross income when it comes to, let's just say social security is normally what, uh, what, Oh, it hits your account is the net amount, but the gross income includes that Part B premium, which now is one forty eight fifty, I believe, and it also could uh, include your Part D if it's being paid from your Social Security. So, gross income is that number before 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 any taxes is taken out, any health insurance is taken out, or any other deductions may be taken out. The gross income is that number, and that's what TenCare uses to determine if you need a qualified income trust. Now, again, the net could be less than 2382, but the gross income is what TenCare is looking at to determine if you need a QIT. It's already starting to sound confusing. No wonder people need help with this. So once we determine if a if a person applying for TenCare needs a QIT, we help them with the document, you send them to the bank to get it set up, then how do you tell them how to use the doc, the trust? Okay. I think it's also important to mention to them what to bring from the bank to send to TenCare as well. Mm-hmm. Um, you'll need what's called a signature card. You'll, 
to and and that'll show Tencare that the account actually exists outside of a bank statement. Okay. So the account number, the establishment date, and the account owner name as well. And then uh, you, you also need to make that deposit the amount above twenty three eighty two. Normally, we just tell our clients to put the estimated patient liability into that account to open it up. Okay. So once you get that information from the bank, uh, the uh, the signature card, you you also have the um, the QIT trust document. You'll send that information to TenCare. So now it's how does it work? What do you need to do? So each month you'll make a deposit. TenCare will give you the number to deposit into the QIT account, and each month you'll pay that balance, that pay that amount to the facility. You and you could also incur a a uh, extra charge by the bank because you really don't use the QIT very much in most bank accounts. Again, it's the bank is going to treat it kind of as a bank account, so so it could incur um, bank fees because bank of the minimal balance that right. you're going to be keeping in this account, right? Correct. So TenCare will actually give you a deduction for that as well. Uh, for that amount, but you know, you may want to keep a little extra money in there each each month, so you, you don't know, go overdrawn. Don't go overdrawn on that account. So yes, yeah, so each month you will make a deposit of the uh, patient liability to the account, patient liability amount, which is what you're supposed to pay to the facility, and you can put more in there as well. And you'll pay that to the nursing facility. Now it differs whenever you have uh, home. Um, Home and community based services or a oh, spouse. Yeah. So with with uh, home and community based services, whether you're in an assisted living or actually at home, if you're at home, the amount above twenty three eighty two goes into that account, and the uh, MCO they're supposed to bill you each month for that amount. Now, do they? Sometimes, sometimes they don't. Yeah, that's that's problematic for families because it's inconsistent. It's very inconsistent. And, you know, down the road, they could get a five month bill stating that that this amount is owed to the MCO. And, you know, it could be a couple of thousand dollars sometimes. So a real key point, if you're receiving 10 care home and community based services, which is a choices group two program, just because you're not consistently receiving a bill from the MCO doesn't mean that you shouldn't be still transferring that amount into your qualified income trust bank account because you want to be prepared when you get that bill. Correct. Yes, ma'am. And then for the assisted living, the assisted living, if you have a, um, a, a QIT, what they'll do is they'll reduce and this recently, I just noticed this starting over the past year, TenCare normally pays $1,100 to the assisted living. But if you have a QIT, they'll reduce that amount by the amount that's supposed to go into the QIT. And you would notice that what they pay plus your QIT amount is the $1,100 that TenCare is supposed to pay towards the cost of care or the the cost to be at the assisted living. That number will total $1,100. Oh, I think we're getting deeper into the weeds here, yeah. Josh. Yeah. You know, it still sounds confusing. A lot of times, you know, if you can visualize that 
you as an applicant, you have income, you have your regular checking account, you may need this additional checking account because you're over the income cap, your money comes into your regular account, you're going to transfer or sweep that determined amount that of your liability, what you owe 10 care each month, into your QIT, and then you pay for your services or your share of services from the QIT. And that's a, a the basic template of how a QIT is used. So you might have um, your bank fees could be charged out of that. You'll know from from your budget, your 10 care budget, so to speak, if, if you have that allocation, you can have that allocation. Uh, you can pay insurance premiums from a QIT if it's not being already allocated in some other way. But mostly it's used to then fund your share of your 10 care cost. What happens when the QIT beneficiary, the 10 care applicant, passes away? What happens? So the funds that's left in that account, you will need to get a, uh, first you'll need to report the death to 10 care. And what they'll do is they'll send out a, uh, a 10 care release and you'll complete the 10 care release and send that to 10 care to kind of open up a case with the 10 care release section, the state recovery unit at 10 care. And then you'll send the remaining funds that's in the QIT after the recipient passes away, you'll send those remaining funds to 10 care state recovery unit. But you need to, but you need to report the death to 10 care to get that case opened up with the estate recovery unit. And the official way of reporting a death to 10 care, even though they've been, told by the facility or, or the MCO, they've stopped payment. Some part of 10 care knows, <clears throat> excuse me, that the person has passed away, but the official way to give notice to 10 care is by filing a 10 care uh, request for release. It's an online form. You submit it. It gives you clear instructions on how to complete it, clear instructions on how to submit it. Um, and then you usually get a response back in a week or less, sometimes as soon as 24 hours, but sometimes depending on, I don't know, depending on whatever, it may take a little while to get it. Then you take that. Um, if you have a full release, you're cleared. If you do not have a full release, then you're going to pay whatever the balance in that QIT fund, send a check to the, uh, to the estate recovery department, right? Yes, ma'am. Correct. All right. Well, Josh, um, I guess people need to know that if you're a client of Tegas McGinnis Elder Care Law, then our, our staff does that for you or works with you and guides you through it. If you're not, there is a clear system and process that you can uh, use for the QIT process. Anyway, Josh, I'm glad you're here and taking care of our clients every day. Uh, I appreciate it. They appreciate it. And I appreciate folks listening to Aging Starts Now. Check us out again next week. 
Thank you for listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast. For more information about today's show, visit tn-elderlaw.com, click on the free resources tab, and then click on Aging Starts Now. You'll find the show notes there. And while you're at it, why not check out all the free resources available at tn-elderlaw.com. Document downloads, the Take Us McGinnis blog, educational videos, informative articles, helpful links, a TV show, and more. It's all there, free for the taking. If you enjoy listening to the Aging Starts Now podcast, please subscribe, rate the show, or leave us a review. It's easy to do on whatever app you use to listen. We would love your feedback on the show. Aging starts now. We'll be back next week with more candid discussions about challenges created by aging, disability, and unexpected illness. 